It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Sam Amick, of course, senior NBA writer for The Athletic. What's up, Sam? How are you? Good, guys. How you doing? We're doing well, Sam. I wanted to start by singing your praises because you asked uh, Giannis a question the other day, and his response to that question, I'm sure you've gotten plenty of response back, but uh, his response to your question made my day. I mean, the one when he was talking about thinking of the past and and, uh, in the moment and then into the future, uh, and and I just that that gave us a glimpse into the way that guy thinks, and it's refreshing, man. No, I appreciate it. Thank you, Gordon. It was a fun moment. Um, you know, it's, he had been talking about ego, and he had used that word previously in that interview session. And yeah, it just got me curious, and, and followed up by asking, you know, about who taught him you know, the importance of humility and being in the moment. And it obviously went beyond basketball. And I, I found there, there, I found myself sitting there going, man, I'm 43. He's 26. Uh, I certainly, uh, I don't even know if I have that figured out now, but he had it figured out. And, you know, I think it showed in the way he played and the way he experienced these finals. He kept having this, this kind of ethos of enjoy the moment, compete, um, you know, and then, the outcome will be the outcome. Now that's easier said than done. I mean, after two games, you know, he kind of admitted that like you're trying to enjoy it and it's very challenging to enjoy it when you're losing and they were down 0-2. So, um, but his head was in a very good place and, and obviously it showed in the way he played. Is he the unicorn, Sam? Because, I mean, between that answer and ordering the 50 nuggets at Chick-fil-A and his interaction <laughs> with fans, and, he, you know, he's a tough guy, but he has that demeanor. I mean, he's just so easy to root for. Gordon and I have said that over and over again. I mean, and now, the, scene, the scene when he came from behind the da- that table and hugged the, the young girl who had written a, a book uh, highlighting. Uh, it, I guess th- this is less a, a, a question than an opinion, Sam, but there, all of a sudden the conversation is coming up about him being the face of the of the NBA, and you know, part of me is thinking, "Wow, I really hope so." <laughs> yeah, and I mean, to his credit, man, I, I can't tell you guys how much I enjoyed the media part of the finals. And, and you got to understand that, and we've talked about this before. Like, you know, it's been so frustrating having to to make chicken soup out of chicken you know what for you know most of the last year because we didn't have access and so and on a personal note you know i think i may have shared this in the past but like you know i'm part of the the group at the pro basketball writers association that pushed really hard for this exact uh, model where we would have you know there was a time where i thought there was going to be no media access even in the nba finals in person and so we had pushed for uh, an environment where you had limited numbers, like 15 or 18 reporters, 
um, who were vaccinated, who agreed to test. And a lot went into it. And, man, did it feel like it paid off. And, honestly, it was super gratifying because even forget about our priorities. And this is, you know, the NBA is going to look out for the NBA. And, and our contention to them now, and I think they agree, is like, you know, whether it's the Giannis moment or conversations with Monty or Chris Paul reflecting, like their fans, I think, got to learn more about the coaches and players and who they are and how they're wired than they would have otherwise. And, and that was a pretty cool thing for me to see. So, Sam, your reaction to the Bucks winning it all, uh, it seemed like they were the more prepared, uh, more determined, more mature team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never as simple as you know, we kind of focus on who's got the best player, and that does matter a lot. But it's like, as LeBron's learned, if, if you don't have any help, then, then you're going to lose a lot of finals. But, man, like, Giannis, at one point it was like, you're just going, you know, <laughs> if Drew, Holiday, and Chris can just, if they can come in with, like, C-plus efforts, you felt like the Bucks still might win it because Giannis had gone to some ridiculous place with his performance. And they were much better than C-plus. You know, they stepped up in a big way defensively in the, the past or the last five games, um, you know, more so the last four, obviously. But then, you know, Giannis just being spectacular. Like, I just – I didn't know he had that in him. Um, you know, the, the way he attacked, the way he defended the five blocks in the finale, these iconic plays. You got the alley-oop with Holiday. You got the block. I mean, it's just incredible. And you're watching this. And it was fun to make, you know, to get reminded that, you know, there's days when, when I might be guilty of feeling a little bit jaded on the job. But then in this series, you walk away thinking to yourself, like, all right, 50 years ago, it was Kareem and Oscar that, sent the Milwaukee people, you know, out happy into the night. And it's like this this dude right here, Giannis, like he did things that Kareem never did. He did things that LeBron's never done. Um, you know, you do not see, you know, 50, whatever it was, 14 and 5. It doesn't happen, especially in a closeout game. He ties Bob Pettit for the most points in a closeout game. Michael Jordan's, I think, was 45. And to, to do it while um, – you know, kind of. I, I know it's a tired cliche of like proving people wrong, but like we all know how much of a part of his story the free throws have been, and to hit 17 out of 19 free throws and know that you won by seven. So obviously, if you you know you shoot nine out of 19, you lose that game. And nine out of 19, like that's very much within reach for him. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that he was up there. Yeah, looking like Steve Nash in free throws. Yeah. Sam, uh, when when Phoenix was up 2-0 in the series, a lot of the conversation naturally was about Chris Paul and what he could do for his legacy with an NBA title, and uh, you know what, where that would cement him among point guards. We had David Locke on on the air, and he was talking about where he would fit all time. So I guess the uh, I'll ask about the opposite: Is there damage to his legacy that he came up short again? I, I don't personally think so. Um, it was an incredible run. He made the most of it. He had a few tough games in the middle. But it's, you know, I mean, to me, I still just, I still love what his story represents for this year. You know, he, he, he I mean, let's not forget, plenty of Hall of Famers retired before they were 36 years old. And at 36, he reshaped his body, 
reshaped his diet, was healthy, led a young team in the kind of way that, I mean, you know, you cannot lose sight of the fact that nobody thought the Phoenix Suns were going to be in the finals. I mean, nobody. You'll find me one panelist who said this. So it's a huge accomplishment to get the Suns to the finals. You know, he finishes on a fairly high note in the finale. He played pretty well. Um, but you just, to, for me, you just have to, the focus has to be on the other side and giving credit where credit is due. I mean, you know, the whole idea, oh, Chris is falling off in the finals. Yeah, he's falling off because Drew Holiday is an incredible defender and is picking him up at 75 feet and turning him over and making his life miserable. And he's much bigger than Chris, and he's strong and he's fast. And that, you know, and, and when Drew took a break giving Chris Paul fits, he jumped over to Devin Booker and gave him fits. So, I mean, he, you know, Chris didn't choke. Chris didn't, you know, just drop the ball here. Um, they just, I think the Bucks were the better team. They just happened to be a better team that, that had a personality of routinely not playing up to their, uh, you know, their uh, capability. And once they got that figured out in the past four games, then, you know, they were off to the races. I'll uh, give Jake credit for this because he has underscored it time and time again. But the importance of the two-way player, and it seems as though with what the Bucks were able to accomplish with Giannis, obviously playing hard at both ends of the floor. Uh, you had Drew Holiday, who struggled at times at the offensive end, but still had some big games too. And obviously, as you've been talking about, his his influence at the defensive end was notable uh, we're kind of hoping this catches on a little bit, and some of these superstar players, like uh, Dame, Damian Lillard, maybe maybe Donovan Mitchell, maybe others, will start stressing the defensive end a little more. Yeah, no, it's huge. You know, you, you you've got to have it. You know, when I, I still run into people all the time that say that nobody defends in today's NBA, and I get it. You know, hand checking did change things. I just had a guy on the plane yesterday that you know, was lamenting and kind of, you know, lasting poetic about the 80s and, and everybody beating each other up. And it was a much different game for sure, but they do defend right now. And the ones who don't, you know, they just they don't find themselves in the, in the finals. You know, that's why we'll never know. But, you know, Brooklyn, it, it's, it's so wild. And, and this is the case to varying degrees every year. But, you know, the what-if moments, like if Kevin Durant takes, you know, a step back by six inches or three inches, and hits that three in game seven against Milwaukee, then the Nets are on the way. But independent of that, the Nets were an awful defensive team. And, and by and large, you know, folks questioned whether or not they'd be able to win a championship with that kind of terrible defense. So it does matter. Um, you know, and, and you saw that consistency. Chris Middleton's a very good defender, too. And, and Giannis, I think, you talk about vindication, guys, like, you know, playing like a boss in the kind of way that fellow superstars, I think, questioned whether or not he could. But then also on the defensive side, how much criticism did he take, you know, in the bubble when he wouldn't guard Jimmy Butler and players are questioning which players he was guarding and why he was getting the Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, and, you know, and then to, to defend the way that he did in the series, too, I thought was there was some redemption there. Sam, I know we've asked you some similar questions to this uh, in in previous weeks, but what do you think the Jazz off season is going to look like? Uh, it's 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 a unique one because it's you know I feel like the focus 
is just all the way at the top. You know, with Ryan Smith being in this mode seemingly of of, uh, of taking a good thing and trying to make it a very good thing and trying to make it great, um, I just don't know, you know, what that's going to look like. Uh, talking front office, you know, certainly Clint Satter is not going anywhere. But um, then with the roster, just kind of recalibrating and figuring out the Mike Conley situation, figuring out, you know, around the edges, what else they want to do. Um, the West, it's, we say it uh, every year, it seems like, but the parity is going to be wild. I mean, when, when Monty Williams, the Suns coach, was, was getting emotional talking about you don't know if you're going to be back to the finals, it really struck a chord with me because it was like that's particularly true in the West. You know, if, if the Jazz got a few breaks here and there, this could have been them, and maybe it'll be them next year. Who knows? But the parity means just the numbers alone, if you've got six, seven teams with the type of talent that, you know, where you could imagine a scenario where they get to the finals, then, uh, then, then who knows how it unfolds. But, you know, Jazz will be right there again. Just to, about, you know, you mentioned Donovan. is his head in a good place going into next year and, uh, and just trying to, to figure out their spirit before they move forward, I think. I like what you said there, Sam, about uh, the, the toe of Kevin Durant and how narrow the difference is between getting bounced earlier and being a champion. And, you know, health comes into play. There's all these factors that come into play. And maybe that's one of the reasons that we're so intrigued by it all. It's hard to do. And there are all kinds of factors that come into play. And the fact that the the Bucks had struggled in, re, in previous years to get to the promised land, and now they do, Maybe that's uh, an indicator that uh, it can happen for a team like the Jazz. No doubt. I mean, this one probably had more more what ifs than ever. You know, the Nets lose Harden, they lose Kyrie, um, Kevin Durant's just out there doing magical things, and it still wasn't enough. You know, literally by the tip of his toe. The thing I do love about the way the Bucks finished it, though, is that, and, and really both teams give the Suns credit. You know, they had to get through the West Finals without Chris Paul for two games because of COVID. Um, that's a big accomplishment. So, you know, they caught a few breaks, but they overcame a few bad breaks, too. And with the Bucks, I mean, we just we, – guys, we cannot forget in terms of the way this story gets written. You know, we probably talked about it last week, but, like, let's, let's hit the rewind button. I'm in that hotel room lobby in Phoenix going into game one, running into Giannis Antetokounmpo, and – he, yeah, we didn't know if he was going to play. You know, and I even heard at the time that after I left, there were some kids who wanted to take a picture with him, and he normally would be real accommodating, and he didn't want to. And, and the person who saw this happen thought that he made that choice because he had a big old brace on his knee, and he just didn't really want any pictures of him looking feeble. You know what I mean? And, and this was the night before game one. So he goes from thinking he had a torn ACL, thinking he was out for a very long time, to, you know, and if you watch that replay, you just sit there and go, no, that, that person couldn't have played basketball for at least another month, even if it wasn't a torn ACL. And he goes out and averages 35-14-5 and five in the NBA Finals with almost two blocks and, and more than a steal per game. Um, so the Bucks overcame stuff, too, even at the end. I mean, I can tell you, the NBA and the Bucks and everybody, man, it was really, it was really, really, really edgy at the end in relation to COVID. There was a, a great fear 
that the NBA Finals were going to get shut down by COVID. And when Thanasis Alvacupo was put in protocol, and that's being somebody who's as close to Giannis as anybody, it's like, man, they, you know, I mean, we were kind of talking about how normally the NBA would love a Game 7. They did not want a Game 7 this time. Like, they were trying to get this thing over the finish line. Sam, I don't know if you've ever dabbled in screenwriting, but I'll tell you what, the Giannis story could make one heck of a movie. <laughs> Maybe make a little know, money man. there, right? Disney, uh, Disney's already ahead of the game on that. they got something coming out on it. Really? But, but yeah, it's just, yeah. Yeah, I, believe so. I think that's already out there. But hmm. he, the story is remarkable, and the cool thing about his moment is that for the first time ever, he started sharing it. You know, he's been real protective of his story. And, uh, and it's, it's one that's, you know, that is universal, obviously international, but this kid, the one quote guys, I'll, I'll leave you with this, but like, it just hit me when he sat there and he was like, he, he said in the press conference, he says eight and a half years ago when I came into the NBA, I didn't know where my next meal was going to come from. Wow. You know, and that's, that's where he's coming from. So quite a story. Well, if I were Giannis, I'd be calling up Sam Amick to write my uh, write my story for me, get a screenplay on for me, yeah, yeah whatever. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Appreciate so. you guys. I'll I'll give the nod to my guy, uh, Eric. Maybe we'll do a co-author. Eric's name is our Bucks beat writer who does a tremendous job and then killed it all through the finals. But yeah, it's it's been a fun story to cover because I don't get out there that much, so I kind of just leaned into it and like let me just become the try to be the. The, uh, the the new uh, Giannis whisper for a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, Sam, uh, we can't thank you enough, of course, for appearing on the show today. But uh, the whole season, you just um, help our listeners and, and provide such amazing coverage. We just uh, we can't thank you enough for it all. You got it, guys. Look forward to, to talking in a few months and enjoy some downtime, hopefully. Appreciate you. Well, should we let Sam have some time? Uh, we give him some time off. All That's right, probably right. Uh, probably the right thing to do. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Thank you, nice. Sam. See ya. That's our friend Sam Amick, senior NBA writer um, for the Athletic, and and yeah, Sam was all over the finals. I mean, I was having uh, I was having like secondhand celebrity. Sam was going viral so much with his fantastic <laughs> questions. I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> I know. <yeah. laughs> Beaming, right? <laughs> hey, you know that guy that asked that question? No, I know that guy. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's he's so good, and um, you know Austin says this all the time. But uh, you know, if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, I think Sam's uh, coverage alone is worth uh, is worth the subscription, and not to mention all the the other great writers, both locally and nationally, on the Athletic. But but. Sam's awesome. Yeah, he's one of the good ones on on both sides of the computer. Yeah. And we're lucky. Uh, we're lucky he and our other daily assist guests too. But uh, we're lucky they uh, they come on with us once a week. It's pretty dang cool. Yep, no doubt. We'll have more coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.